Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 114 of Thrive Deeper. It's me, your old mate DJ Payne here, and on this fortnight's episode, me and the wonderful Dr. Matthew Jacoby sit down in this, our first part in a three-part series on the book of Leviticus. Okay, now don't get too excited. I know how much you love the book of Leviticus. (laughs) Listen, it is an important book. It's the central book in the books of Moses, and on this episode, it is our job to get you excited and to understand what an important and, dare I say it, magnificent ancient book this is. So keep on listening as we get into this, the book of Leviticus. Also got something very special to tell you about something that's happening over at Thrive Perspectives. So grab your Bible and your copy of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and let's go into the book of Leviticus. You're back from a break. Yep. <laughs> You've Had a great t- time down in Tassie. We were allowed out allowed? Of, our, of our state. Okay. Okay. Are, you, are we still allowed out of our state I now? think so, yeah. Okay, good. So good. We, uh, we fled and had a great holiday. You, uh, yeah, from the pictures that I saw, mm. it, um, amazing coastline down in Tasmania oh, yeah. where you were. Tasmania. The most underrated destination. Yeah. Uh, really. Go to Tasmania. <laughs> Yeah, this is an unpaid sponsorship spot. Yeah. Now, this is a bit, uh, just to give everybody a little bit of a sneak peek behind the scenes, um, we haven't recorded together for a while. Mm. We sort of banked up a bunch of episodes for, yeah. for the month of January, really. Yeah, because and the studio is being renovated yeah. and it's looking amazing. The studio that we record in is is getting renovated in my backyard. It's, it's still coming along. It's probably a couple of weeks away from the time that you hear this before we can get back in there. So we are recording in my makeshift office in my house and we've never been closer together. (laughs) We're like in each other's pockets here and um, we're in this tiny, tiny bedroom in the back, uh, you know, back of the house here. So it's a really unusual setup. That's okay. Welcome 2021. That's right. (laughs) So if it sounds a little bit different or if it sounds like Matthew and I are, uh, you know, let me assure everybody when I say we're really close, just for any rule keepers out there, we're definitely 1.5 metres away. We're definitely 1.5 apart. That's right. Definitely. Yeah. So we say all of that to introduce you to a brand new copy of Thrive. The new copy of Thrive is out uh, for, for, uh, you know, um, for for the year. Mm, And it's an exciting one. (laughs) Isn't it? <laughs> I think it's exciting. You think I it's definitely exciting. think it's exciting. But uh, but part of this episode uh, this week is to convince everybody out there who's got their new copy of Thrive, mm. open it up and seen the book of Leviticus. Yeah. And gone. And groan. Yeah. I can, <laughs> gone, Matthew. I can hear the groans. <laughs> what are you doing to us, And Matt? that's understandable from the content. I mean, it's, it's the most complex book, really, uh, of the Bible. It's a book that- Originally was a um, a kind of a instruction manual for the priests. Yeah. However, and this is the important bit, in uh, the literary conventions of the time, you always put the most important thing in the center. Now the first, oh, wow. the, the the Torah, so the first five books of the Bible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
the the central kind of problem of these books. Yes. The problem that's introduced in Genesis 1 to 3, okay, the problem of the fall man's of man. alienation yes. from God, okay. Yep. The central question is, as Psalm 15 puts it, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Wow. So who can who can enter into God's presence? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is this is the big uh, the big issue of these first five books of the Bible. Okay. Yes. And the answer to that book is in the middle of the middle book, which is the Day it, of Atonement. Let's which, do it all together: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. That's right. Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's right. So the book of Leviticus yeah. is is placed in the middle. Uh, it's not a um, skip over this because it's not very important. It's put in the middle because it is really important. Really important. Wow. Now that's again, according to ancient literary conventions, they put the most important thing in the center. It's uh, it's the classic and it's a structure that we've perhaps referred to before um, here. It's the chiastic structure. Yeah. Now we're the putting X. our hands together, like the forming X. a cross. Yeah. Uh, a uh, chi is the Greek sort of X. Okay, yes. so it's the you know that center point mm. is, and often you see in in the, the way that texts are structured as uh, the most important thing is in the center. You know, think of a if you've seen a menorah candle. Yes, you know, with the it's like this this tree with the you've got the central one with the some people three would pronounce it menorah. Yeah, that's yep. right. The, menor- the Jewish menorah. There. That's yep. right, and you've got the center candle and the three each side. Yes. So you know that's a sort of a picture of that kind of chiastic structure. Yeah. So um, a real symmetry. Yeah, that's right. So don't skip over Leviticus yeah. because actually the the answer to the question. Yeah. Like the act, the real juicy theology, like the central fundamentals of the faith, are in the book of Leviticus. And if wow. you don't understand this, wow. uh, you, you're going to miss actually the climactic point. Okay, wow. now not only is Leviticus the that this chiastic moment um, in the first five books of the Bible, but within the book of Leviticus, the central chapter, the the uh, Chapter sixteen yes. is the Day of Atonement. Wow! And that's in the middle of the book. So you've got uh, you've got even within the book you've got a chiastic wow. structure. Okay, uh, with, with this moment when the high priest enters into the holy of holies one day a year. Yes, and that's right in the middle of Leviticus, which is right in the middle of the Torah. All right. Well, now part of our job on this episode, Matt, and is for everybody who's faithful, thrive readers and listeners. Uh, you know, thank you so much for supporting everything that we do, and, and, yeah. and you understand what we're doing. The next three months are Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Yeah, you know, February, March, April of 2021. Three of the, you know, the final three books yeah. of the of the, you know, the first five books yeah. of the Bible. Um, you know, the, uh, what some people would call, you know, the works of Moses. There, the, the, that first yeah. five books, or the Pentateuch, as yes. it's known. Yeah. So. We want to get you excited because a lot of people really skip over these, yeah, they these do, books. Yeah. And I can understand that. If you're not well-versed in in the whole story of yeah. the Bible, if you're coming at it for the first time, yeah. this feels like you're, you're reading something from the planet Mars. Yeah. You know, it feels like oh, you're, yeah, that's right. you're yeah. reading something from a completely different yeah. universe that has no, no relation that's to right. ours. And yet, again, to underscore the importance it's the book of Leviticus that lays the sort of conceptual framework, like the key ideas that mm. you're going to read about in the New Testament, you know, ideas about the blood, about atonement, uh, about offering, even ideas about worship, about purity, uh, all sorts of different, all of these key ideas 
uh, priestly ministry, you know, the media, the mediating yes. role of Christ. Uh, Christ himself is only intelligible in the light of the book of Leviticus. Now, say that again, Matthew, because this is really important. So, in order to understand the person and the work of Christ, the commentary on the person and the work of Christ essentially is the book of Leviticus. Yeah. And so, uh, this is um, this is something worth wading through. Um, it's a very much a different world to ours. But it's a, it's a world that we need to Im- get ourselves into. Yeah. It's like a language that we – it's a conceptual, pictorial, symbolic language Fantastic. that we need to learn to speak yes. in order to understand everything else uh, in the Bible. Let, let me just put it in my dumb way, right? Mm. My favourite books of the Bible are the Gospels, yeah. you know, the Life of Christ. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. And the Book of Hebrews. That's right. <laughs> no surprise here. I'm a, a broken record. I don't believe you can fully understand what Jesus is saying, mm. the mission yeah. he is on, yeah. why the Pharisees and the Sadducees were so against him, yeah. and then to fulfill it, what the book of Hebrews from, you know, I believe, you know, the team that wrote the book of Hebrews, Paul and the gang who wrote yeah. the book of Hebrews, were able to answer all yeah. of those questions that you know the, the the Hebrew that the Jewish people had, it's all around these first yeah. five books of the Bible. Yeah, that's right. And there's so many things even in the Gospels, and we've been we've been reading the Book of Luke, so yep. it's a great segue. Uh, are only really intelligible certain events and qualms that the Jewish uh, religious leaders had in mm. response to Jesus mm. are really again only intelligible within this thought world, within this kind of. Uh, symbolic thought world, you know. For example, Jesus when he forgave sins, and and for them that is absolutely heretical oh. because there is a way that sins get forgiven, and it's according to the Levitical law. Yeah. That's yes. how sins get forgiven, you yes. know, through uh, you know the priests offering the sacrifices. And again, it raises the question: Well, who who is Jesus that he can forgive sins? Yeah. Well, he is the high priest. He is the sacrifice. It was his blood that he yes. shed. You know, uh, he is the very tabernacle of God in the midst of it. So, you know, Jesus is going to fulfill all of the symbols uh, in the book of Leviticus. So, this is, you know, I- I'm as you know, um, I'm a big one for just getting back to the fundamentals of the faith. We, yeah. we have this drift effect, I think, as Christians, uh, and we need to keep ourselves glued mm. to the central fundamentals of the faith. And so... What we want to do over this and the next two episodes, yes. uh, three episodes, yep. did you say? Yep. This? Yep. Uh, yeah. Is really demystify this book. Great way to put it. Um, so, uh, help you to understand and get into the thought world of this book. And I'm going to start, uh, if I may, unless mm. you've, there's anything else you want to say by way of introduction. One last thing about this yep. book of Leviticus, and we're going to, we'll, we'll jump straight in and we'll, we'll, we'll you'll get yep. the picture there. <clears throat> We've 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 set it up pretty lofty. We've given it all the lofty yeah. stuff. Now 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 I want to bring it back home and go. It is an incredibly practical book. Yeah, yeah. That's like right. like it, again, a lot of it is going to be foreign to us. A lot of it is going to almost disgust us because we don't live in the times that these people lived yeah. in. Some of it is going to trouble us, but you have to almost time travel in your brain to thousands of years ago to a Jewish people living in the wilderness and go, okay, how did this, you know, why is, is you know, what's the practical reasons why this mm. is? And once you start putting yourself in that mind, you go, yeah. 
okay, this actually makes sense. Yeah. This makes sense. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so I just wanted to set that up as yeah. well. No, that's good. So uh, I'm going to start actually at the end of Exodus. Okay, great. Because these books flow from one uh, into the other. So this is really important because the very last section of Exodus sets us up, raises this question. Okay, so it says in Exodus um, uh, 40, 34, hmm. uh, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. So he's built the tabernacle, yes. okay, which is like a three-dimensional, it's like three-dimensional theology of salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, God dwells in the holy of holies. Uh, you, When you walk in, I'm going to picture this for people, it's a rectangular uh, courtyard with a rectangular building in the middle. Yeah. Um, you can jump on to Google Images, look, do search on the tabernacle and you'll see it there. And it's a big, when, it's a big tabernacle. It's yeah. a big walled tent. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, type of thing. Uh, so um, you walk into the courtyard and you, you you're looking towards uh, the 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 holy place and the holy of holies where God dwells in yes. a symbolic. And that's sense. at one end of the rectangle. And that's at one end of the rectangle. Okay, uh, but between you and that, there's a a big altar the altar of burnt offering. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now this is immediately saying, this is how do I get, how do, you know, how do I close the gap between me and the God who dwells in the Holy of Holies? Yeah. And the answer is, has everything to do with that altar of burnt offering. Okay. Yeah. So, so the, um, the tabernacle is this three dimensional, um, st- this structure mm-hmm. that you enter and that things happen there that communicate to you how man can be reconciled to God. Mm. Okay. Uh, and lots of different rituals are going to be performed in there that all have uh, important symbolic um, uh, weight. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, at the end of the book of Exodus, it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, uh, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Okay. So, this is uh, the tent of meeting is the is the the enclosed tent, yes, holy place and the holy of holies. This two-roomed tent in the midst of the rectangle. Yeah, the rectangle. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled mm. on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Mm. Okay, so this sets up this sets up the problem. Moses is not able to enter now. Mm. Now, previously, there'd been a tent of meeting, a sort of provisional place where Moses, and he did enter, right? But now he's built this according to very strict instructions from God, and the instructions are very, all of these instructions are going to be, it's going to be incredibly important that they follow these instructions because this is three-dimensional theology. It's not like I'll add a bit here and add a bit there because it's like changing your theology if you do that. So, um, So, he's built this tabernacle according to very strict instructions, God now, the glory of God fills this tabernacle and Moses is not able to enter and this now establishes the problem. Mm. Um, talks about, then it goes on to talk about their journey and the cloud of God's presence, you know, guiding them and so yep. forth. Yep. But the problem here is established. Moses can't enter. So it raises the question, well, who can enter mm. and how? Mm. Mm. You see, so that's where right at the end of Exodus, we have the, the sort of setup for the key issue that, that is going to be solved now at the at in Leviticus chapter nine, and I'm going to scoot forward uh, to this now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we basically have this climactic moment because um, we're doing big picture here, aren't we? So, yep. uh, so this is okay. Uh, 
it says this. Um, then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them. This is after all the sacrifices in the system has been established mm-hmm. and it's being practiced now. Okay, for the first time, they've uh, they're going to they've um, uh, put into practice the sacrifices that we're going to read about in a yeah. moment. Okay, after doing that, established priesthood, established uh, sacrificial system. It says then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the, uh, the people and blessed them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And we're going to read about those in a moment. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. Mm. And they came out and they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Mm. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Can you imagine that moment, right? <laughs> this, is the, this is the climactic moment. Mm. This is the answer to that mm. problem. Yeah. Moses could not enter. Yeah. But now the sacrifices are established. They practice the sacrifices. Moses and Aaron are able to enter. They come out with a blessing for God's people, yeah. and the fire of the Lord descends and uh, consumes the offerings. That they've made. Yeah. As, a, as God's approval yes. over what's just happened. Yes, that's amazing. Okay. Okay. I, you know, I, I, lo- I love the fact that you've given us a really shorthand v- view to at least get it get us yeah, this excited. Is, this is the you know the 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 big picture kind of view yeah. of what's going on here. Yeah. So now we're going to get into what's in between. Okay, so that's the end of chapter nine of Leviticus. Yes. Now let me let me ask you two questions that people might be thinking as they've heard you explain those first nine chapters in the yep. end of Exodus. Yeah. Number one question: Why can't they enter? If God is in the Holy of Holies and they've set up the tabernacle, they've got the, you know, and yep. in, in, within that they've got the tent of meeting. Yeah, which good is question. The, the, at the back. And within that tent of meeting, they've got different articles. And within the, in the, in that, they've got the Holy of Holies where the very presence of God is. Yes. Well, God loves everybody and God wants to have a yeah. relationship with, with, with us. So he's there, uh, you know, and so why can't we all enter and enjoy yep. God? Yep. Great question. Simply because God is holy. Now, the word holiness means distinct. In God's case, uh, he is holy, 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 as, mm. as the angels declare in Isaiah's vision and in uh, Revelation. Uh, he means he is absolutely distinct, but also absolutely pure. Now, there is a, uh, a kind of a... Um, in There's a sort of a three-dimensional scale. When we think of our spiritual state, I want you to imagine a line of um, moral, immoral. You know, we tend to think just on that line. Mm-hmm. I want you to add a, uh, that, think of that on a horizontal axis. I want you to add a vertical axis to that because there's another key concern This is going to explain a lot in the book of Leviticus. Right. And that is a scale of pure and impure. Okay. Like, and they're related, they're related, but, but, the the problem is that of spiritual impurity that because uh, well isn't that just sin yeah isn't it, just it, bad yes, and, it is. and and good is it, but there's something different yeah that's right but it causes this problem of spiritual impurity okay so uh, it's um, it's not just a matter of not being good enough or it's a matter of actually becoming uh, stained with guilt in, in, and or uh, spiritually impure, like mm. defiled in a sense. Um, I mean, these are important concepts because the concept of defilement is going to be ingrained into this people because it's a spiritual problem. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's a spiritual problem because 
um, like it's not just a matter of God's got a sheet and it's got a, he's got a record of wrongs and and well you did something wrong so go away. It actually th- th- there is a deeper problem of um, of defilement that occurs. Um, that means that God, who is absolutely holy, cannot have contact with that which is unholy. Uh, God is perfectly righteous, cannot embrace the guilty. That's a matter of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just a matter of justice is an attribute of God. So that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that that God cannot embrace, even though God loves us, wants to embrace us. Uh, yet, because of God's justice, there, there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. But there's also the issue of God's holiness. I sort of want to add, make this a little bit more three-dimensional, okay, because of the tendency that we have to reduce everything to very dry moralistic terms. Yes. We're not good enough, so God won't accept. Well, it's actually not. It's not just about that. There's this sort of third dimension to this, and that is this sense of... Uh, of spiritual defilement, that we have become unholy, mm. we've become imperfect, uh, uh, we've become tainted, as it were, spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this uh, this causes uh, a rift, a, a very uh, infinitely problematic, terrible rift between us and God. Mm. This is, so this is, and, and this is um, the experience that the Israelites are having when they come to Mount Sinai, uh, and you know, there's fire on the mountain. They're not to even touch that. It's like the Mount Sinai, in a way, is like a new kind of Eden. You know, uh, it's this place, the dwelling place of God. And remember, Eden had the the um, the cherubim, cherubim with the flaming sword. Stay out of here, yeah. because why? Because you are unholy and imperfect and guilty, and yeah. God is holy, and the two cannot be joined together. Okay, now question. Let's do a bit of a thought exercise here. The, again, I love the, the the fact that you've brought in the very visual cherubim and the and you know in Eden you've brought up you know Mount Sinai when Moses is, is receiving the commandments from God, yeah. and now we get the tent of meeting in that same sort of way. This is a picture of God on earth, you know, yeah. with with men, and we say that the holiness of God, you know, keeps us at a distance. Yeah. Let's do a thought exercise. We don't. I know. I know what you're going to yeah. do here. Let's say we do. Let's say we go, but you know, but God is love and he's going to accept me anyway and it's okay. Yeah. And I'll just go into his presence without it. Now, now the reason why we can't get Mm. in there, you know, I'm sort of leading you here with the question. The reason why the fiery cherubim here isn't to protect God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's not to protect (laughs) God from being uh, defiled by us. Yeah. Uh, It's actually to prevent us from being destroyed (laughs) by the, by the glorious holy- presence and holiness of God, Amen. you know, by the justice of God. So this is, so there, there is a big problem here. Now this, I mean, this is, we need, this is actually, this is gold, right? Because the beginning of our spiritual journey means that we must, must feel this problem. If you don't feel this problem, mm-hmm. you are not even going to begin. You know, this is, this is, um, you know, Psalm, uh, Psalm 51, the sacrifice of God or a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the the willingness to feel the problem, to feel the distance. Because and a lot of people uh, complain about this sense of God's distance and and then just sort of put it out of their, oh, it's, you know, I just feel like God's far away, so I won't even, 
I'm not even going to try. But actually, you are right in the middle of the most important revelation that you can have. Yeah. Like, problematize that. Like, <laughs> it's like that, feel that problem for yeah. a bit. Yeah. And it, the interesting thing in my experience is that God, and, you know, I, I regularly go through this where I sense this sense of distance and, 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 you know, life is this constant process of, um, you know, it, me kind of drifting in, and, but, constantly coming back to God because of course we can now because God has made a way mm. um, but the constant experience of, of feeling that absence and feeling the problem is is this crucial first step experience so if you feel like God is distant if you feel uh, unworthy if you feel impure you you actually don't back away from God you are actually in the middle of the most important the most important initial revelation that you can have, yeah. but don't stop there. No. Don't wallow in that because the door is open. This is what we're going to see now. God has made a way. But um, the way is very – it's very important that we don't take this for granted and think, well, this is how I am, but God forgives me anyway as though God can just forgive a guilty person without actually doing something. God did something yeah. in Jesus Christ about this problem, yes. and all that we're going to read about this sacrificial system is basically connecting us, connecting yes. people, and the pe- the Israelites in this case, with what God had done to provide for their forgiveness. Fantastic. One last point before we get into this, because I know yeah. that some people have either heard this or are thinking that themselves- Did I answer your question? Yeah. I think- I think you have. I think, yeah, I think okay. you have. And if you and if look, if if you've got questions, as always, yeah. say this every every episode. Please reach out and contact us. We'd love to hear from you. One last question from me as we set up the Book of Leviticus. Now, Matthew, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm more of a New Testament Christian than an Old Testament Christian now because God yeah. in the Old Testament. I really don't like this God guy in the Old Testament, and he's very different now. I like this New Testament God, and Jesus is nice and. He accepts everyone, and I can do, and mm. like he just loves everybody, and we see that yep. in the in the in there, and there's no problems, and all this stuff in Leviticus. Look, that's all Old Testament, mm. Old Testament God stuff. Not not really my cup of tea. I'm just going to skip over this. Can you pass me that ruler over there so I can symbolically whack you? Um, the The New Testament is the uh, is the fulfilment of everything that we read about in the Old Testament. Mm. I mean, uh, sure, start with, if, if you've not read the Bible, I you know, I recommend starting with, say, the Gospel of Luke. Mm. Uh, you know, maybe read Luke, Acts, then perhaps Romans. Sure. <laughs> okay, st- for sure. Yeah. Start with the New Testament. That's fine. But at some point in our faith, you, you are part of a story begins in Genesis chapter 1. It's your story, right? It's your story. And not only are you part of that story and you need to understand that story, your faith is actually going to be birthed out of that story. Um, But the Old Testament sets up a a language of faith that you need to learn to speak this language of faith. Mm. Uh, You need to immerse yourself in this conceptual world because you're not going to be able to move ahead Mm. uh, unless, unless you are. And God, let me just say this. It, it, this is what we know in the New Testament. God is still the same. Yeah. The purity of God, the holiness of God, you know, the fact that he cannot stand any sin yeah. or impurity in his presence 
not because he's precious or not yeah. because he's timid or not because he can't, because whatever comes in that is that is unholy within me is, is obliterated, is yeah, destroyed. Right. So like it's like saying, Hey, I'm made of wood, I can jump in the fire. Yeah. No, you can't. You're going to be burned yeah. you're going to be burned up. Yeah. So he's still the same. That's right. Yeah. And 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 the and the what we read about the Leviticus, the process that we read in Leviticus yeah. that God outlays, it do, it will not how do I say this? Jesus will not be completely the answer to the problem, unless you understand the problem. That's right. And and so God gives us, reg- I mean, he wants us to feel that problem, mm. uh, lest we take for granted or lose sight of, I mean, th- this is, again, this is the a, a really important aspect of the spiritual life is constantly allowing ourselves to feel the problem because it just grounds us and and connects us more in what God has done to solve that that, that problem. So so that's a bit countercultural, you know. The idea because again in our culture we want to jump straight to oh well God just forgives everyone it's all fine every everything's fine. Uh, no, everything's not fine. There's a really big problem. Yeah, we need to let ourselves <laughs> feel that problem. Yes, uh, and. Uh, and and that's the, the beginning of moving forwards. So um, so this is what the uh, this is where Leviticus starts. Now God is going to map this out. What God has done to um, secure our forgiveness, uh, to fulfil His perfect justice mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ through an act of sacrifice. Again, okay? mm-hmm. now as we move into Leviticus. It's worth understanding the fact that by this stage, in this part of the world, sacrifice is a language that uh, has been readily understood. Yes, uh, it is. It is the standard. Way. It's because you know um, it says it starts off. The Lord called Moses. This is Leviticus one. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. Say to the people of Israel. Uh, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord. When you bring an offering, so mm. it's it's assuming that you want to bring an offering, yeah. Because there's something um, there's something ingrained, innate within human beings, and we see this in all different religions. Yeah. This sense, I need to bring something mm. uh, to God. Now, this is, I mean, in in the ancient world, when you came to a king, you'd always bring tribute of some kind. Mm-hmm. Okay, you would bring a gift, you would bring something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- it's it's a relational. Uh, kind of gesture. Mm-hmm. So, in all the religions of the ancient Near East, and this is true of you know even religions in the world today, there is this practice of bringing bringing offerings. Mm. Um, the atonement aspect um, is less common. It's mm-hmm. not completely uncommon, but it's far less common. Define atonement for us. Uh, yes. Okay. Is um, this making? Uh, Closing the distance, but it's actually atonement means making satisfaction for. Mm-hmm. So, uh, making things right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, injustice has been done. To make atonement is to satisfy justice. Okay. So, in a practical example, I'm parked out the front of my house. You've come over. You've accidentally hit my car. To make atonement for that, you would? Yeah. I would cover the damages. That's right. So, um, so that's – now, the, the reason why I think that's not this – uh, this aspect, this atonement aspect, like in in ancient Near Eastern religions, 
you you brought an offering to win the favor of the gods. Mm-hmm. Okay, not so much to close the gap in the sense here, mm-hmm. uh, because for these people, there was all there is always a gap. Yeah, you don't have a relationship with uh, with Baal or with Ra or yeah. with. You don't have a personal relationship with the, these are these are you know gods far away. Even in in Hinduism, you know there's 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 still this this distance, mm. uh, you know, with with, the, with their you know with Brahman or with yes. uh, well, I mean, in a, I mean that's a pantheistic religion. So anyway, but uh, it's probably not the best illustration. But in the the closing. That's not even a possibility in yeah. these other religions. Yeah. That, that's where the atonement aspect of, of offerings. However, offerings are very common mm. as a way of kind of winning some kind of. So I'll make an offering, and hopefully the God will send back some blessing. Yeah. Okay, that's sort of the best that you could get. Yeah. This Leviticus is going one step further. Now, it's answering the question. Sorry, yeah. who can dwell in the holy presence of God? <laughs> yeah. Now the ancient, near, you know, every the average ancient Near Eastern person is. No, don't be ridiculous. Yeah, as, as if, if that's even possible yeah. to dwell in the presence of a holy God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's just too terrifying. Yeah, it's yeah, that's t- right. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And who would want? Yeah, it's to? It's not even a question worth yeah. asking for the ancient Near Eastern person. Yeah, who would who would want to? Now the other the other, uh, and we're going to go to a break. But I wanted to throw this in already. Gee, time's <laughs> like <laughs> no, we've we barely got into it. Been going but five minutes. Hasn't the, it? The, <laughs> you've been away, mate. You've got a lot to say. I know yeah. the. Um, uh, the other backdrop that we need to keep in mind in this, and you just you triggered my memory there of one of the other points that I wanted to make here for the book of Leviticus. Yeah. This is the story. We're in the middle of the story of the holy God bringing his people, the yeah. Israelites, into a land of Canaan that is full of the wrong type of sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. Of the wrong type of God worship. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Of the, of the most evil practices. Yeah. And evil sacrifices, mm. uh, witchcraft, I mean, you know, like whatever ev- evilness that, it, that yeah, you can yeah. imagine is being practiced in the land that they're about to go to. Yeah, yeah. So Leviticus, part of the backdrop of Leviticus is you're about to enter into a land and some of the laws and the rules and the regulation and the sacrifice stuff is going to be saying, God saying, they're doing it the opposite way. Yeah. This is my way. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're doing it. They're doing it to try to win the favor of the gods, and and of course, uh, y- you never quite feel that you have, yeah. because there's never any assurance that that you have in in these ancient religions. Yeah. Uh, you just got to keep offering more and more. Now, if you really wanted to give the best that you could possibly, then you would offer up your own children as sacrifices. That's mm. that was it. Got that now, and that's that was quite a common practice uh, in the ancient Near East as, as well as elsewhere in the world. You know, in the Aztecs and so forth, human sacrifice, and it's, it se- seems to be this sense like I, I never quite feel like I've given enough to God. I mean, do you ever feel people? You know, this is again mm. ingrained this ingrained sense. I never feel like I've done enough, yeah. right? And this is exactly what Leviticus is going to answer is going to answer that sense because even we experience this. I just never feel like I've done enough. Mm. So what they would do is like I'm going to even offer my own children, and that mm. in an ancient context because your children represent your you know, they're your progeny. They're the continuation of your own life, in a sense. And so, you know, there are these what were really abominable practices, uh, and and called out very much again and again and again um, in the Pentateuch, as, as we're going to see. This, of course, is what um, when 
the famous story in Genesis 22 of Abraham when God says, offer your son as a burnt offering. Mm. Interesting that burnt offering is already, mm. it's kind of an idea that's already, that's already a language. The language of offering, again, mm. well established. So much established that when God says to Abraham, offer me your son. You know, even the fact that he says, offer me your son, Abraham's not surprised at yeah. that. Because, again, this is common practice in the ancient Near East. Oh, well, okay, the great God is – it's almost – you almost sense Abraham's just waiting for this to happen. Mm. You know, it's like – because in in ancient language, this is the ultimate offering that you can give Mm. to God. Um, uh, So, and in a sense, what God is saying there is the willingness to give me everything is important. But I, you never ever need to do this. That's basically what this is saying. It's yeah. it's like a statement in the context of an ancient world. Genesis twenty two. I'm talking about mm. situation of Abraham offering Isaac is a statement of God saying you never have to do that because why? Because God has provided a lamb, mm. uh, and of course you know God provides the lamb caught in the thicket, and that's sacrificed instead of Isaac. Right. Yeah. So that. Genesis 22 is pointing forward again to this. It's anticipating this, what we're going to read here in Leviticus. Awesome, awesome. Okay, let's take a quick break. We've just set it all up for you, everybody. Leviticus, here we, here we go. Let's finally dive into it. But first, just a quick break. I want to share something really important with you here on Thrive Deeper. DJ Payne here in 2021, and I'm excited to let you know that we have got so much happening here at Thrive Headquarters. Yeah, the studio is underway. It is almost operational. Cannot wait to get in there and start producing some more content for you. But as we look back at what's been happening over the last few months of the podcast, I tell you what, we have had more feedback on two episodes of our sister podcast, Thrive Perspectives, that I've had pretty much for anything else. The last two episodes of Thrive Perspectives that we've done over the last, uh, you know, last month have been an episode dedicated to what Matthew has learnt in the year 2020 and what I have learnt in the year 2020. They're both very personal, dare I say it, almost very revealing about what God has been teaching us in our own personal life. We took one episode each and we really shared what was on our hearts and where the Lord God has been leading us in our lives. Now, I don't often recommend the podcasts that we do. Like, you know, it sort of feels a little bit proud or it feels a bit vain, you know, some sort of level of vanity to tell people, hey, I'm really proud of what we've just put out. But can I let you know something really... (laughs) Really, seriously, I'm really proud of those two episodes. I think those two episodes of Thrive Perspectives really give you an insight of the heart and where God is leading both Matthew and myself as we move forward together in Thrive. So I want to recommend if you have not subscribed to Thrive Perspectives yet, well, go ahead. It's all for free. You can find it on any podcast platform or just head over to our home on the internet. That's at thrivetoday.com. 
thrivedeeper.tv. But if you're already subscribed to Thrive Deeper, whatever app you've used to subscribe to that, you will find Thrive Perspectives as well. Just do a search for Thrive Perspectives and you'll find it right there. All right, that's enough from me. Recommending more podcasts from us. I know, it feels a bit weird, but (laughs) I really wanted to share that with you in case you'd missed it. All right, let's get back into the book of Leviticus, into the actual substance of this incredible book here on Thrive Deeper. Deeper episode 114. This is the first of a three-part series we're doing on the book of Leviticus. Mm. This is the center of the first five books of the Bible. And Matt, you've already set up probably one of the most important parts Mm. of the first five books of the Bible, the book of Leviticus. (laughs) Yep, that's right. Now, we've set it all up. We've given a lot of background to it. I think we've done, if I do say so myself, a pretty good, pretty good job of, of showing people why this is so, why this Mm. book is so important. Because you need to hold that in mind because it's hard going. This is going to be a hard trek as we work our way through the book of Leviticus. Take us, take us through. Okay. So. He, he's going to introduce us now to five different kinds of offerings. Um, and the, the first one is the most important. It begins with what's known as the burnt offering. Mm-hmm. Now, the burnt offering is the kind of coverall. It's the act of worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, it's uh, beginning here makes sense. Like you might think it should begin with a sin offering or something. Uh, or a guilt offering. or No, but it begins with a burnt offering because this is also the most familiar. Uh, burnt, you know, burnt offerings... Um, up to this point, we've read already about various people, the patriarchs and so mm-hmm. forth, offering burnt offerings, okay? So, this is something understood, but um, so, in a sense, what's going to happen is God is taking the idea, this familiar idea, of, but he's going to shape this now yes. with, a, with a deeply symbolic significance. But this is the, this is, uh, the sort of act of worship. This is the, the worship offering. Okay. Um, that is going to also involve this very loud statement about how does the worshipper even come to God in the first place? Okay, mm-hmm. so um, so I'll read. Um, this is I'm going to read this from the ESV again, slightly a slightly more literal translation is okay. uh, probably valuable here. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, "Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock from the herd or the flock." If he is offering a burnt offering from the herd, uh, he shall offer... So now, again, notice there, if he is offering a burnt offering, as though they already kind of know something about this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But God's going to say, but no, this is now how I want you to do it. Yes. I don't want you to do it, like you said, like the other nations do. Yep. Like, you know, for a while... That was okay, yes. just a simple burnt offering without any of the other stuff. But now I, I'm going to be very specific because yeah. I want to teach you something here. This is okay. this is great. God starts at the place where they're, they're familiar. Yeah, that's he, right. He, yeah. he, it's a touchstone that they understand. That's right. And he's going to be very precise in how they do it. Yep, that's right. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting. Uh, okay, so in the, he's going to bring it to the to the courtyard uh, just in front of the altar there. Uh, um, uh, he shall bring it to the entrance. 
uh, now, first of all, he's, what, what is he bringing? He's bringing a, a male without blemish, male mm. animal without blemish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it's got to be perfect because uh, the imperfect cannot be a substitute for the perfect. This, mm. this is, um, this is a, a picture, this, this element of substitution. Mm-hmm. Okay? The, the worshipper who comes is imperfect, hasn't met the mark. So symbolically, the animal has got to be perfect. Mm. Uh, because it's got to be the perfect dime for the And it also perfect. says something about the perfectness of God as well. Yeah, that's right. The, yeah. the sinless, it's, unblemished right. nature of and, God. And actually you see this element in other ancient Near Eastern religions. It's It's got to be, you've got to give your best. Okay, mm. So, so that, that's it's also saying that as well. So there's, there's a, um, a bit to that. Um, he should bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that, it, that he, he may be accepted before the Lord. Okay, mm. not, the, not, the, not the animal, yeah, yeah, but the, the person, person bringing okay, it. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Uh, he shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Okay, so this is an act of identification. He's putting his hand uh, on even perhaps a sense of transferal. I mean, it doesn't say that, but certainly one of identification. Symboli- symbolically, yeah. this is representing yeah, me and my family. this is representing me, okay? And and so the sacrifice is accepted on his behalf. Mm. So there's a sense that the... So the sacrifice is uh, him giving himself, but also this is pointing to this idea that the the sacrifice is kind of um, dying in the place of the uh, of the individual. Mm. Okay, and we really get that in the next verse here. Yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, then he shall kill the bull before the Lord. Now the, it's the actual person bringing the animal that actually kill then kills the animal. Oof. So now what what you need to imagine here is that this is this is a domestic. You don't just go out and grab a wild animal. Mm. You go to your own flock. Now this is the currency of the ancient world. So you this is really valuable to mm. you. Um, this is your live. This is your livelihood as well. But uh, you know, um, when you bring these animals, uh, th- these aren't just uh, animals that exist in 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 some you know fenced off. Uh, this is a shepherd society. Uh, they actually got to know these animals, mm. uh, and so this is a very impacting kind of moment. Like you're mm. bringing this animal um, that you have raised. You put a lot of work into this. This is the best one. Mm-hmm. You're bringing that one, and you're you know, uh, you know, it's lived there with your kids, and you and you probably set it aside even, yep. you, you, like beforehand, because you want to make sure that it doesn't trip up or yep. or damage itself. So you've kept it close, you know, to your uh, to your tent mm-hmm. uh, in a little corral there. You know, your kids, your kids have fed it. You know, they've probably given it a name. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to push the, the but but this is a this is an impacting thing. Okay, yep. you've your this animal. Uh, is going to be your substitute. Okay, yep. so this is, and and then you're going to bring it before, and you're going to um, you're going to kill this animal. Now, in some translations, I'm reading from the Holman here in verse five when it says he's to kill it or slaughter it, it uses the word the bull. Now, yep. are we are we suggesting what what have you got in the ESV? Uh, he, is, then he shall kill the bull before the Lord. Yeah. Now, is bull saying it's always a, no? A cow, so, yeah, no, a, that's right. Yeah. So for different. Um, you have options here, mm. actually, depending on your uh, on your resources. You can bring a bull, you can bring uh, a ram, a ram, or you can even bring uh, doves in some in some cases. You know, yeah. like it, it's uh, it's got, whatever your ability, yep. you know, whatever what, whatever resources you have, it's going to um, allow for that. Was it always a male? Uh, yes. Yeah, and is and the maleness of the animal. 
is, yeah. you know, I know that today for farmers and people who breed, you know, animals, the male is more valuable, you know, than, yeah. you know, usually, you know, the females yeah. and the animals. Is, was that the same concept back here? Uh, or? Look, I, 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 th- I think, I think so. Um, but there's also a kind of symbolic thing here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's the idea of, uh, the idea of headship that the sort of spiritual uh, association. It's not not that um, uh, again because there's this um, this this kind of priestly uh, idea that surrounds uh, the this idea of headship in the family, and perhaps there's something to do with that. Okay. Again, I want to underscore nothing to do with equality or, uh, uh, but um, I, I think there's. I think this would have made sense in an okay. ancient in an ancient context. Yes. Now again, we don't we we don't have the same uh, sort of context here, but in that context, mm-hmm. that kind of made sense. Okay. okay. So um, uh, it's, it goes on to say, uh, then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, um, and Aaron's sons. Okay. So the priests who are descendants of Aaron, uh, and uh, the priests shall bring the blood. And throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Now, this is an this is the blood is is the life of the animal. Mm-hmm. In in they understood that the life of the animal is in the blood. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, when you when you bring the blood to the altar, this is like uh, the, see the burnt offering is a is a sacrifice of worship, and so this is that life has been given here. Mm. Uh, Life in a sense of making atonement for, but also the life of the worshipper is symbolized here. So, you know, giving the whole life. And so it's spattered against the, it's like being offered on the altar. Mm. Okay. That's why the blood is, is there. Now, in the, on the Day of Atonement, as we're going to see uh, in a future episode, um, the blood's going to be brought right into the Holy of Holies mm. uh, as, as this kind of ultimate proof of payment. Um, uh uh, then he shall flay the burnt offering, cut it into pieces, and the sons of Aaron, uh, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and arrange the wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat and the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water. And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Mm. Now, um, the idea here is that this is the only offering where the whole animal is completely burnt up. This, this, the, what is what you're calling the burn offering or the worship offering here? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, the, the picture here is that the whole animal, which kind of represents you, remember, it's it's it, this animal represents you. It's being, it's put on the altar. It's burnt up, and in a sense, the 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 symbolism or the picture here is that it's transformed into smoke, in a sense, that goes up to God. Yeah. You know, and it becomes this pleasing aroma to God, and the sense is is that you have become pleasing to God. Mm. You are now through by offering yourself on the altar, you know, via this animal. Mm. You you actually have become a pleasing aroma to God. That idea of atonement that you mentioned yeah. before, that the gap has been closed. Yeah. We now can enter. That's into, right. You know. Okay. Yeah. Now the other the other thing I want to I want to put out here for you know and again the rest of the chapter goes into yeah so and then it goes sheep and that's then right goes. so here's another couple of options yeah uh, if if his gift is from the flock sheep or goats uh, and then it also allows for birds if you if turtle you're quite does poor. and young yeah, pigeons that's right now 
for those those animal lovers or vegans, okay, or both who are reading yeah. this, who are absolutely their t- their stomach is turning, you know, w- yeah. while looking at this. Let me just assure you, that is a good feeling. Yeah, you're. We're not meant to be reading this. Going, this is awesome. Yeah. As in, like, oh, there's a cost. There's a cost here. This yeah. is there's blood everywhere. This yeah. is a, it, it, so. This is where we yeah. we often don't think of this. That entrance and that altar there before the holy of holies is a slaughterhouse. Yeah, there, there's a, there's people coming all the way out of out of their families with animals. Yeah. to have this burnt offering. The priests are these working basically holy butchers. Yeah, who are have got blood. Everywhere you can imagine how, yeah. how oh, gruesome. Yeah. Oh, it would, totally. Yeah, and it, oh, you're talking entrails and all. It's just yeah, the whole you know, thing e- is you know, even even with the poor turtle doves in the end, you know, you would have ripped them apart this way. You would have twist off that. You know, like it's yeah. really gruesome. There's a per- the, the, it's meant to be like yeah. that. And and the picture here is such a beautiful picture. This is this struck me just uh, recently. Um, this journey. And, and I think I think it's it's good to actually reflect on this and go through the journey. Yeah. Okay. So now the first thing you know, I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to bring uh, I'm going to bring myself in all my you know uh, my imperfection. Uh, I'm coming with my sacrifice, which ultimately r- remember. Let's just keep uh, reminding our listeners that this is referring to Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Yeah. But in the in the outer courts here, things are messy. It's really messy. There's blood everywhere. It's you know, uh, there's this kind of chaos, and and there's this messiness around this process of coming to God because it brings to the surface all of our mess. Mm. And so, you know, often what we do, uh, I think spiritually, is that we, as we come near to God, when we come to uh, approach God. The first thing we experience is this blood and guts, and uh, in, in a spiritual sense, mm. and we want to back away, want to leave that. Well, we, you know, yeah. no, actually, you need to go through that. Bring, bring out the blood and the guts and all of that sort of stuff. It's the all the messy stuff going through the sacrifice mm. in order to connect with what Jesus has done, and then you go, and this is the beautiful picture of this. You go from the messiness, the the of the the blood and the guts in the outer courts if you would you know be the priest and we are this is a journey we can all take now spiritually in that time it was just the priest if you go there and you walk into the temple curtain into the holy place you walk into a place of perfect peace from a place where you've got bleating of the sacrifices yep. and the blood and the guts and the noise the chaos and the uh and the carnage, mm. and you go from that, because you went through that, you enter this place of perfect peace mm. where you've got the, you know, the lampstand that symbolizes the light of God. You're in, you're in the presence of the light of God. Mm. You've got the, uh, you know, the, the table of showbread that reminds you, I'm going to provide for you. God say, I'm your provider. And, and you've got the altar of incense in there with, with the, the, the beautiful smoke going up that mm. reminds you that you and your prayers are a sweet fragrance, fragrance before the Lord. Mm. And to stand in that holy place yeah. uh, 
after the carnage of the ex- I mean, th- this is a journey that we can actually take spiritually. And yes, and, and, and it's important to understand the actual real journal- journey that the Israelites had to go on. Yeah. Because otherwise, like that idea of the Old Testament and the New Testament being different, it, we twist yeah. it. We yeah, twist that's right. it unless we understand how. This is going to sound horrible. How good we've got it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's <laughs> you right. Know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine being, you know, the head representative of my family. Yeah. And at a certain point, I've got to bring one of my boys one at a time, maybe all of the boys at a certain time, and say, right, you're coming with me today. Yeah. You know, it's, you have to learn what yeah, we have yeah, to that's do right. here. Yeah. So come with me, and and then they are going to be standing there. You know, eyes wide open as I yeah. am, as I am slaughtering. You know, yeah. cutting open the neck of an animal. Yeah, blood's going everywhere. The thing's yeah. being cut open, and then I'm allowed to yeah. usher out of the thing. Yeah, and you know, the family is going to what I have to do that next. Like, yeah, it's that's this, right. <laughs> it's it's the most you know gruesome you know type of you know type of thing. And we've got to when we're reading Leviticus, I think we need to carry that weight with us a little bit of of. We've sort of covered the why, but also the very bloody practical aspects yeah. of it all. Yeah, and I think the lesson is that uh, in order to get into the holy place, you have to go past, you have to go through that yeah. carnage in yeah. a sense. Uh, it's the blood and the guts, the entrails need to come out. You know, we need to we need to bring everything out before God, bring out the carnage, yep. bring out the failure. It's 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 the... The willingness to go through that mm. in order to enter I, the, the, it's such a powerful picture mm. and 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 the you know to when you're looking in to the temple the you know where you come in uh, on the eastern side of the tabernacle and you look and and the, even the fact that the altar is kind of blocking your view to the uh, to the tent of meeting, where, yeah. you, where there is a sense of meeting with God, mm. it's like no, you've got to go through this first. Mm. It's it's once you are symbolically, once you offer yourselves on the altar. And of course, Paul refers to this, doesn't he, in yeah. uh, Romans chapter twelve, yeah. where where he says, "Therefore, in view of God's mercy, uh, let us offer ourselves as uh, living sacrifices." Mm. And he's 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 referring to the burnt offering. Yeah, that this is actually our acceptable act of worship. Mm. Uh, it's his commentary on the burnt offering. That this we still need to do this. We need to offer ourselves on the altar mm. that we might be transformed into a pleasing aroma mm. to God. Ah, oh, I mean, it's such a powerful uh, picture. Mm. Anyway, look, that's the that's the burnt offering. Now I'm going to quickly cover. Yeah, we've only the, got double one. Yeah, you said and, there and was I, five. Yeah, that's right. So the as I said, the burnt offering is sort of the most general. It yes. was the most regular uh, offering. Uh, it's this offering of worship. It's to offer oneself wholly to God through this act of atonement. Okay. Mm. Um, and um, the the next uh, offering is the grain offering. Uh, this is a this is a kind of response to God's provision uh, for okay. us. Uh, this is where uh, you bring um, a, an offering of your grain from the first fruits of your crops. Uh, now, in ancient Israel, bread was a the, really the staple part of the average person's diet, mm-hmm. um, and in some ways, grain more than gold or silver was what people depended on for sustenance. So to bring an offering of your grain was to offer to God really part of what sustained your life. Yeah, yeah. You know? So that's the significance of the grain offering. It's a way of giving thanks to God for his provision. Uh, and it was also a declaration of faith. God is my provider. 
Okay. So this is we, – we would do a similar thing here where we would bring a portion of our income, you know, the act of, of tithing. And there's definitely, essentially, there's that's definitely what a sense of that with the grain offering with. because once the portion of the grain offering, God says, okay, use this much in this way, but then the rest of this grain offering, the bread that you're making, yeah. give it to the priests. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it belongs to the priests. Why? This is their job. That's right. Because yeah, it maintains be- the place of worship, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, in, very much so. The grain offering helped to maintain uh, the the services in the in the place of worship. So, yeah. um, so that's similar similar principle. So these are these are not e- even though we don't do these things in mm. in their that this form. Yes, we still we still do the all princi- of these things. The principles there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, in the in it in. Reality, actually, yeah. not just symbolically, but in in reality. Yeah. Then we have uh, what's called the peace or the fellowship offering, the peace or fellowship offering, and this is basically an offering. Uh, as you see, after the burnt offering, the the other offerings now are more specific. Mm-hmm. So the burnt offering is a very general kind of act of worship. Mm-hmm. The the other offerings are in response to something specific, a yep. specific uh, thing that you want to do before God. This is a this is an offering, the peace or fellowship offering is the offering that I bring if God has done something for me. Um, so this is when um, when the psalmists say, you know, I will bring an offering. God, God, if you answer me, I will bring an offering and I will declare your praises in the presence of your people. Wow. They're talking about this offering. This is also the offering probably that the father of the prodigal son brings where he says, kill the fatted calf. Uh, this is uh, this is a fellowship offering because they're going to share the fat. They're going to share the offering together. Now, basically, what you would do the difference with the peace or fellowship offering mm. is that um, it wouldn't all be burnt on the altar. It wouldn't be given over to the. Pre- it would actually you would actually it would be sacrificed in the presence of the Lord yep. uh, and the blood and all of that. You go through that similar ritual. So there's a lot of repetition in these rituals. Um, uh, and then you would actually share that. It would become the the uh, center point of, of a celebratory feast wow. that you would have wow. with your friends and family. So you'd say, come and gather with me. I've got something to celebrate. You would take your animal. They would come and you would celebrate together mm. eating, in that, uh, eating that animal. So it's like, as I said, it's like the fatted calf uh, of the, uh, that was sacrificed for the yeah. prodigal son. Yeah. You know, come and celebrate with me because my son that was lost is is now uh, been you know uh, been found. So, and, 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 and this is in chapter three of obviously the third offering that yeah, they're being right. told yeah. about. At the end of it, this is a really interesting uh, little footnote at the end that I think is is a little thread to remember as we read through the Leviticus. Um, it, you know, Moses teaches teaches that the Lord is telling them that all the fat belongs to the Lord. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This is a permanent statute throughout your generations forever. Wherever you live, you must not eat any fat or any blood. So we've yeah. already seen that the blood from the first sacrifice is the life of the animal, yeah. and that's what it needs to go on yeah. the altar. Now we've got, okay, the fat belongs to the Lord as well. Yeah, and that's and that's not just because, again, it's not because the fat's the bit, because fat in our culture is the bit that you cut off and throw away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not in that culture. It was the richest part. Yes, exactly. In a sense, it was the most valuable part. Yeah, yeah. So that part is given to God yep. and the rest of the animal is shared uh, by the party. Now, it's probably healthier for the party as well. Yeah. Uh, but but the point is, is that the most valuable part is given to God. And, of course, blood is – it's interesting to note in other 
uh, sacrifice in the ancient world, blood was often retained and uh, and and eaten. Yes, uh, but the blood is never you you don't ever eat the blood in an animal according to uh, according to the biblical law, yep. because this is the life. It's of the, the life of the animal, and that is always to be given over to God. Yeah. Chapter four, we have the fourth. Yeah. We have the fourth uh, offering, the yeah. sin offering. Yeah. So. We have here a sin offering and a guilt offering, and I'll talk about these together because there's there's been a lot of discussion around uh, what what the difference is mm-hmm. between these these two uh, offerings. And basically, the the sin offering is about purification, and the guilt offering is about making things right. Now, there's a difference between slight difference between those two things. Um, so, purification is about um, this act of, it, in a sense, it it kind of sums up two parts of really what Jesus did. Jesus takes something away from us, great point, yeah, but also gives us something, right? So he takes away our guilt, mm-hmm. but he also imputes to us his righteousness. So we are declared righteous. Okay, so um, so we are made right. He gives us, he he, he makes us right. Mm. Um, so the the taking away or expiation. If you want to use a technical term, mm-hmm. that's what the uh, the sin offering is going to deal deal with. It's uh, it's specifically about dealing with the problem of impurity. Okay. Okay. Um, now it's interesting. It says there when someone sins unintentionally in uh, what we're in chapter four. Uh, chapter four here. It talks about when someone sins unintentionally, and a lot of people get worried about this, like. Hang on, don't we always sin? It uh, yeah. isn't sin by definition yeah. intentional. I make a choice and I do the wrong thing. Now, this is what what this is trying to um, what this is saying is that this isn't a get out of jail free. I can do whatever I want, um, and because I know that at the end of the day, I can just go to the tabernacle. I mean, you can imagine that people could possibly think this, yeah, because this would be, for example, the criticism of people elsewhere in the ancient world, they would be thinking, what, you mean you guys can offer this sacrifice and you are forgiven mm. that your God just forgives you yeah. without you having to live up to something or or and work for can, this or and then you can just walk giving back enough. Out. Or, yeah, and then you can walk back out. Do it again. That's right. Bring another sa- yeah. I mean, this is what, what is this? This seems nonsense. No, this is making very clear. But by unintentional, it means not that sort of – this is not, oh, yeah, I've – I can sin because at the end of the day, uh, yeah. oh, I can just go to the. Um, yeah. So these sacrifices are for people whose ultimate intention is to live for God. Great so, point. So yes, you have made bad choices. Great You've point. yielded to temptation. So of course, okay, there's an element of intentionality to that. That's not what this is talking about. And we'll see in some of these laws that we have where you have to make uh, a sin offering coming yeah. up. Yeah. Some of them are well, you can understand why someone would fail in this in this thing yeah. un- unintentionally, like yeah. whether it's in a battle or whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a death of someone. Yeah. You go, oh, I didn't mean to hold this dead body, but now I've been made. Yeah, there's that as well. Yeah, there's, you know, yeah. yeah. So there's a little bit of in day to day life. God will say, okay, you 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 are going to. Yeah, sin. that's right. That's right. And there's the sense that in doing that, that causes a problem because you have become impure again, right? Yes. Yes. And so you now have that sense again, oh man, I just, I feel impure. Yeah. Uh, and and that's dealing with that problem. And so the sin offering is for purification. We yep. see that in four. Chapter five, he gives some cases re- that require sin offering. Yeah. 
And then is what you're saying, the guilt offering, is that at the end there of chapter five where he says, in, in my translation, it says a restitution offering? Uh, yes, that's th- right. Yep. That's, that in other translations would be a guilt offering. Yep, that's right. So, um, Guilt or restitution. That's right. So I'm just going to pull this up uh, here. So um, the, the guilt offering is, yeah, is the restitution. This is making things right. So this is often coupled with a if – you know, if you're bringing the the offering because you know you've ripped someone off or or you've you've taken something. Now, again, this is important because it uh, uh, important answer to this problem of intentionality. In mm-hmm. you know, because if you rip someone off or if you take something, there's an element of intentionality to that. Yeah. So well, it's not that that's not provided for. Yeah, and and this is this is more of I I, I get the. You know, in the couple of times that I've read it, it felt like, okay, this is the area where the high priest or some of the priests have heard a case. It's almost like a judgment, a, yeah. you know, out of a court case. Yeah. They've gone, okay, we understand the problem that you've got with your neighbor. This is what we we believe yeah. that the law says. You know, okay, Matt, you need to give a restitution. Yep. Yep, that's you need right. to you need to give this this value to make it right. And that's what this offering yeah, is. Yeah, that's about. right. So it's coupled uh, so that that making restitution to to this other person is coupled with this act of making restitution to God, mm-hmm. and and I think this is really Im- this is making an important statement about restitution, because not only making up with the other person isn't the full answer to the question, because you haven't just sinned against another person. In sinning against another person, you've actually sinned against God, mm. and so restitution you need to make things right with God and with that other person. Mm. So this is saying something about th- this guilt uh, offering is saying something about what is re- required w- when, in terms of restitution, mm. uh, that is towards the, you know the person as well as towards God. So that's that they are basically the. Uh, the offerings, the, the five, five offerings, the main offerings. Now, the I, I might just add the um, uh, the uh, fellowship offering. There are different, and we're going to find out a little bit later. There are a few different uh, types of fellowship offerings. So, um, it's in chapter six and seven. Uh, yeah, it, well, in chapter seven, uh, included that there are thanksgiving offerings, yes. uh, free will offerings, and wave offerings. They're basically different kinds of fellowship so, offerings that you bring when that's the, what was it, the third category yeah. that I discussed. I, I love the fact that we get in those first five chapters, or actually, you know, first five, six chapters, we've got the five different offerings. We see, you know, these five different situations. Next couple of chapters, we have clarification, more detail yeah. on each of those offerings, yeah. a little bit more. Okay. Different variations. Yeah, this is a little bit more about offering. the practice, yeah. you know, answering the questions that people might have about yeah. those. And then, uh, and this is, I think, well, this is where we'll have to wrap it up for, for this episode. Uh, we've got chapter eight, you know, really, really briefly, the ordination of Aaron and his yeah, sons. that's right. As, as a yeah, priesthood. Is there right. anything you want to mention on that? Yeah, so, so this is um, – this is the establishment of the priesthood. That the, so it's the priests that are going to do this. That these people are set aside, uh, and this priestly role is uh, an important symbol of what God ultimately wants all of His people to be. It, it had said back in Leviticus nineteen, God had said, "You are a holy nation. You know, if you obey My commandments, and these commandments are at the center point mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. God's commands, then you will be for Me a uh, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." Okay. Now, to be a kingdom of priests, you have to be holy. Okay, so they have to be a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. So, 
ultimately God wants all of his people to be priests. And of course, uh, under the new covenant, mm. we, we are all priests of God. Mm. But this is a kind of symbolic representation of what we can do. Like we, uh, you know, we enter the presence of God with, sac- you know, with our sacrifice, uh, which is Jesus Christ, uh, in order to come out and be mediated as a blessing to the mm. world. Now, that's what we see. So, um, so the priests are ordained. Uh, this is a kind of picture of what God wants all of His people to be, and it's like a serv- it's a special service that Mos- that God has told yeah, that, Moses. Yeah, that they that's have to right. Go involves sacrifices and everything. It's interesting uh, also to note that um, the sacrifices required, going back to the guilt uh, and sin offerings, yeah. in the sin offerings, the the sacrifices for the priests are greater. You have to offer more. Yeah. It's interesting. Very interesting. Uh, There's also a really interesting point about them boiling part of it yeah. to, to sustain themselves. And the most interesting bit in this whole chapter for me is that when they are ordained and they go through this really, like you say, like they double down, like yeah, the sacrifices yeah, yeah. are double down. Moses then says, you know, the law is, you know, to become the priest, you must remain in the, in the entrance of the tenor meeting yeah. for seven days. Yeah, don't go anywhere <laughs> for right. seven. And it's like, what, 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 what now? Yeah, like, how, how did that work? Like, yeah. how did they do that? It's almost like we're going to separate the men from the boys. Yeah, here because this is hard work. Yeah, being a being a priest before God before yeah. the Israelites, this is a tough job. Yeah, you've got to be up for it. You've got yeah. to endure. That's right. I mean, your main qualification is that you are in the presence of God. I mean, mm. this is this is where this is how we are equipped as as. Priests, all of us being priests of God, is being in the presence of God in that seven-day period is, a, is that beautiful sense of completion. Mm. Uh, that's what enables us. We carry this blessing, which we can then mediate. So this is so. Once you have uh, Aaron and his sons are ordained, well, and then you, so we get all. The, it's, it's great. I love the way that Leviticus does this. Please be patient if you feel like you're rereading it again, because in chapter eight we get the law, the rules, yeah, and then chapter nine we get okay, they do all the rules, they actually do everything that yeah, is that's said right. in chapter. Yeah, that's chapter what eight. we see in chapter nine. So this is on the eighth day. So after yeah. their seven days of just really essentially waiting on yeah. God, and I mean this is just so rich. Uh, then they offer the offerings, and this is where you then get to this climactic moment. Yeah. Uh, at the end of chapter nine, oh, that's amazing. Uh, then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people. I'm going to read it again, and we can close with this because this is just gold. Then Aaron lifted up his hands uh, towards the people, and he blessed them. This is the sacrifice has been offered. Mm. He, as the priest, now is equipped with God's blessing. Mm. Right? God has given him a blessing. It's not just for him; it's to give away. This yeah. is what it means to be uh, a priest of God. Yeah. Uh, he. He lifts up his hands towards the people and he blesses them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Okay, he's uh, offered these sacrifices that have been prescribed. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. Okay, so this is the problem of Exodus, again, chapter 40. They couldn't go in then. Yep. Okay, the glory of the Lord is still in there. Yep. But now they can go in. Yep. Uh, in to the glory of the Lord. Mm. Uh, and it says, and when they came out... Uh, they bless the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Mm. Right, so they go into the glory of the Lord, mm. uh, and they can now. Yeah, they come out, and they basically and and bring the glory. They of, bring yeah. the glory of the Lord to the people. What yeah. a rich picture yeah. of what Christian priestly ministry, which is all of us, essentially is. And, and, and then it says, and fire 
came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering, the piece of fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. It's a, it's a, and that it's a beautiful way to wrap up one of the points that we've been talking about. And you, you've, you've, I think it's a point that we're going to be talking about a lot in the book of Leviticus. God's holiness and God's purity, when we are confronted by that, as the people of Israel are here, yeah. it's not a blasé, happy feeling. Yeah. It's not it's not a nice, you know, warm fuzzy. Yeah. They shouted yeah. and fell face down on the yeah, ground. That's right. Well well they they are they are this is a a sh- a cry of you know, that it's like the weight of the glory of God uh has appeared to them and come upon them. And it's you know they and this is what happens when we when we meet these characters that have these encounters with God you know like Isaiah and John in the book of Revelation they fall they it's it's so overwhelming that they fall down mm. with with a shout of I mean and this is exactly what you've got this is an actually an amazing moment it's one one of the most amazing moments because it's not just an individual this is a moment when all the people this is this is outlining the possibilities here. Now, the people are going to stray from this, but this is this mountaintop moment here in the book of Leviticus that showed them what is possible. And it's not just, and if it's possible for, and I'm going to underscore this, if this is possible for them who were partaking in symbolic sacrifice, how much more for us who have the real thing in Jesus Christ? Like we have access through Jesus Christ into the holy of holies, into the glory of God. And if we are willing to feel the problem, if we are willing to go through the carnage, to you know, spill the entrails, shed the blood, offer ourselves wholly on the altar, okay, we can enter into this place of peace in the holy place where the light of God and the provision of God and where we become a pleasing aroma to God and we can dwell in the Holy of Holies, the very direct presence of the Holy of God. And then we will know joy and peace. That is the goal of all things. Man, when Matthew, when Matthew hits the right biblical note, gives me shivers up my spine. I tell you, when he almost quoted Hebrews there at the end of our discussion, where Moses and the people of Israel were able to be made right with these symbolic sacrifices that was just a foreshadowing of what Jesus was to do, my goodness, how much more blessed are we that we have the real thing. We look back to the real thing of what Jesus did as our sacrifice. Woo! Good stuff there from Matt. You know, I should actually do a podcast with him one of these days. Anyway, (laughs) thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully we've whet your appetite for this amazing book. Make sure you've got your copy of Thrive, the daily reading guide. Head over to our website at thrivetoday.tv and consider supporting us financially. We can't do what we do without your help. All right, we'll see you next fortnight here on Thrive Deeper. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. 
Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.